I've been in ministry for many, many years, but I remember a long, long, long time ago when I was in high school, I worked on a vegetable farm where we grew a lot of vegetables and shipped them to the market. I remember something that I learned during those days about how things grow. The vegetables would grow if certain conditions were just right. Conditions such as the, the soil. The soil had to have the right nutrients in it. And if the soil had the right nutrients, and then you added the proper amount of sunlight and the proper amount of water, something amazing would happen. That ground would, would emerge, and out of that ground would emerge magnificent food, plant life. The vegetables would grow if the conditions were just right. I often think of God's work in the body of Christ. God's work here among you in Nairobi. Under what conditions does God grow his church? Is there one or two, perhaps, conditions under which his church thrives? I was recently reading through the book of Acts in the New Testament. The story of the, the early church as, as Luke, directed by the Holy Spirit, recorded the, the, the birth and early life of that new church, followers of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And I was amazed to find that there were repeated phrases, eight of them in the book of Acts, phrases that talked about the Spirit of God blessing and producing growth in that early church. And I was wondering, Lord, do you use some of those same conditions today? And I believe he does. So for a few moments now, I'd like us to look at the book of Acts, to learn something not just about the early church, but to learn something about today, to learn about what the Holy Spirit is doing today in order to produce growth in his church, whether in East Africa or West Africa or Eastern or Western Europe or Asia or South or North America or Australia, any place on this globe. As God's people meet together, what are the conditions under which he produces remarkable growth? I'd like us to look at that together. So if you have your Bibles, you'll be able to work through the book of Acts with me for a few moments this morning, and you may wish to jot down these conditions. Because these conditions are not only those, that environment in which God grows his church, but it is in that environment of, of these life situations that God grows us you and me as individuals, as well as growing his church. Let's look together. We'll start with Acts chapter 2. So you're having your Bibles open to Acts chapter 2. You read the, really the, the birthday story of the New Testament church. 
For there on that day of Pentecost, we read that the Holy Spirit came upon those waiting disciples, those apostles of Jesus. And as the Holy Spirit came, something amazing took place. The Spirit of God came with, with power. There were manifestations of the, of the Holy Spirit. The people were amazed. And many of the people who were watching had questions. Peter, that one who spoke so many times in the proper place and sometimes out of place during the life of Jesus, the Apostle Peter rose and spoke to the crowds. And in Acts chapter 2, he gave a remarkable message of power. Let me read, beginning at verse 36, the conclusion of Peter's message on the day of Pentecost. Peter said, beginning at verse 36 of Acts 2, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, is the Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. After Peter spoke, the Spirit of God directed Luke to record the results. And in verse 41, Luke wrote, those who accepted Peter's message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Whoa, wow, 3,000 in one day. Can you imagine if in this service, as a result of our gathering together here, God brought 3,000 more people to Jesus to meet with you and to worship our Savior. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. God's Spirit worked with power. The first lesson concerning church growth that I see is that God grows his church when his word is boldly declared. Peter boldly declared the gospel of Jesus. Sometimes we can be, as individual Christians, I know we can be a little reluctant to speak boldly for Jesus. We can feel as though there may be a little pressure on us and we don't want to be rejected by others. We want to be accepted. We want our reputation to remain intact, and so we come up with some excuses why it is not convenient at this moment for us to speak a word from God with boldness. Some of us may admit, well, the reason I don't speak to others about Jesus is I'm, I'm just naturally timid. I, I think it's the way God must have made me. I'm just a, a, a timid person and very reluctant to, to speak out about Jesus. My brothers and sisters, I believe we need to stop telling ourselves that lie. And we must realize that the Spirit of God is the one who gives boldness. And we must be open to Him, and as we're open to Him, and as we love people around us, 
love them so much that we, we desire more than anything else that they come to know our Jesus. God's Spirit will give us the strength and the words to speak boldly His truth. We need to start believing God. God builds this church when we boldly declare His word. That's the first condition for growth among God's people. A bold presentation, a bold declaration of the truth of God as found in Jesus Christ. The one who came to this earth, humbled himself, made himself of no reputation. Humbled himself not just to become a man, but a servant. Humbled himself even more to the point of death, death on the cross. Yet, it was at that moment that God lifted him up. After his death for our sin, God raised him from the dead. Gave him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's boldness. Let's look at a second condition under which God grows his people. God wishes to grow this church. God wishes to grow you and I as his children. Now, I believe that God does some special things during times of worship. But God does some of his most important work when we leave this building and go out into the world and rub shoulders with people all around us. God wants his work to be done there, not just here. Is that right? Amen, it is. Some of God's more, most important work occurs in just everyday life. And when we as believers come to understand that God is interested in what we do out there. Listen to Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 47. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And then listen to these closing words. And the Lord added to their number daily. God was growing his church as others were being saved. And as we meet together here, we are being strengthened by God and equipped by God to go out there into the world, into the streets around us with our neighbors, our friends, even strangers, and demonstrate to them the love of Almighty God that's wrapped up in his gift of his Son. Jesus. When we see people in need, as the early church saw those in need, they took of what they had and they met those needs. And as God's people met the needs of others, the Lord added daily to their number. So the second lesson of church growth is God grows his church when believers care 
for others' needs. When believers care about the needs of others and reach out to meet them, then God grows his church. I saw a small group of children. Uh, they were playing ball in a field, and they were, they were all together, all except one little boy. And one little boy was all by himself, sitting over by the side, just watching the others play. It seemed like he was being ignored by the others, and it seemed as though everyone playing, they were all friends together, and this poor little kid was by himself. In the middle of that game, I saw one boy leave the game, leave the field, go over to this other little boy, put his arm around that boy's shoulders, and lead him back into the middle of the field and had him join the game together. And you should have seen the smile on that little boy's face, who was no longer ignored, but was now welcomed. That's what we need to do. Look for people who are broken, ignored, unaccepted, and go out and welcome them in the name of Christ. Remember, the book of Galatians tells us, in the words of the Apostle Paul, do good toward all people, especially those who are part of the family of faith, but do good toward all. God grows his church when we care for the needs of others. There's a third lesson from the book of Acts. It's found in chapter 6. The set of circumstances in the early church where God produced growth this time were different. In the early days of the church, the apostles were carrying on all of the ministry. They were meeting the needs of the people. They were doing the teaching. They were doing the preaching. They were doing the, the, the sharing of, of leading of communion. They were involved in, in praying for people. They were involved in counseling people. They were doing all the work of the ministry. But the ministry was growing so large that some of the people were being, were felt that they were being neglected. They looked at that situation, and they said these words, beginning in verse 3 of Acts 6. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and of wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our, our attention, as the apostles, to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And this proposal pleased the whole group. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert from Judaism. What did they do? They chose others to assist in the ministry. They shared the responsibilities. They, they changed the structure of how the church carried on its work. And in verse 7, we read that when they did that, the word of God spread. And the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The apostles gave very wise counsel. And here's a third condition for growth. God bringing growth to his people. God grows his church when believers change their approach. Up to that point, they were doing ministry the way they had always done ministry. A certain group did all the work, 
all of the preaching, all of the ministry, and everyone else just sat there and watched. But now they recognized that there was too much work to be done. God was doing too many things among his people. They needed some help. And they recognized the Spirit of God was leading them to change their structure and to bring others, these servants known as, as the early deacons in the church, to come alongside to, to help serve the needs of God's people. God grows his church when believers are willing to change their approach. I've worked for Walk Through the Bible for, for many, many years. 37 years now. And I remember that just a few years ago, we changed our international instructor uh, format, uh, the way we arranged the structure, the organization. Up to that point, we, we trained many teachers in many different countries around the world. We're, in, we're ministering in 130 countries. Uh, around the globe. We saw that each region needed to have a director to oversee what was going on in the ministry in that region. And I am so pleased to stand before you to tell you here that, that uh, your, your pastor, Stephen Myrory, is the international regional director for all of our ministry in East and West Africa. So we praise God for him. And we praise God for how he is continuing to, how God is continuing to use him to grow this church in this place, as well as his other ministry throughout East and West Africa. But that was a change in our structure. And we needed that change in order to take the next step of experiencing God's blessing. You know, that's true not just in churches or in other Christian ministries. That same truth is, is valid in our own personal lives. There are times in our families when things are not working out too well. It may be time for a change of our operating procedure. It may be that it's necessary to change some things in your place of employment in order for things to work better. It can be true in churches. Churches come to the point of, uh, of growth where they need to change their structure in order to take the next step with God. It's so easy for us to just fall into the pattern, but things worked out well yesterday, so let's keep using yesterday's methods today. The problem, of course, is today is not yesterday. And tomorrow will not be today. So it is, it is important, it is vital for each of us and for each of us as churches to move with God and not linger in the past. God grows his church when believers, when churches, when individuals, when you and I are willing to change as God moves us into new areas. It's like a, like a smooth running car. Uh, many years ago, I, I had an old car, and this old car was almost ready to die. And I could tell it was almost ready to die because instead of driving along smoothly, 
it would like that. And you know, cars are not made to go they're, they're made to run smoothly, right? So when things start getting bumpy, when things start getting choppy, when things are not working out smoothly, either in the church or in our families or in our personal lives, we need to ask God, Lord, do you want me to change something? Please make me open to the changes your spirit is leading me toward. That's another condition for church growth. Let's move to a fourth. Now, we move to Acts chapter 7. The background is that Stephen, Stephen was one of those chosen by the apostles and the group of believers to work alongside the apostles as a deacon, as a servant, to help with the ministry in the Jerusalem church. Stephen was one of those. Stephen was full of grace and power, the scripture tells us. But all were not happy with what Stephen had to say. There were unbelievers who did not like the message of Jesus that Stephen was presenting. And some of them gathered together and had false witnesses testify against Stephen. And when the high priest asked Stephen, is the testimony of these witnesses about you true, Stephen? Stephen got up and full of the Holy Spirit, spoke to the high priest and all of the people gathered there in Jerusalem. And he spoke to them about God's working throughout all of the Old Testament and took them through a, a little mini walk through the Old Testament. And as he did that, he brought his message to a conclusion and say, by saying that just as there were people who blocked their ears to the truth of God, all through Old Testament history, there are some people today, Stephen said, right here in Jerusalem, who are blocking their ears to the truth of God. Some of these, some of you people, Stephen said, are actually stubborn, and you're working against the Holy Spirit. Then we pick up the story in Acts chapter 7, verse 59 that the people did not welcome the words of Stephen. They didn't say, oh, thank you, Stephen, for telling us we're stubborn and that we've closed our ears to God. No, they didn't welcome Stephen's message. They dragged him outside the city gates of Jerusalem, picked up stones, and began stoning him to death. And in verse 59, we read, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, Receive my spirit. And then in the next verse, chapter 8, verse 1. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Did you catch that? All the Christians were scattered. Remember in verse 8 of chapter 1 of the book of Acts, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses. 
All of you people will be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, but also in Judea and Samaria and the ends of the, to the ends of the earth. How are these people who are all settled in Jerusalem going to pick up their belongings and move to Judea and Samaria and beyond? God's means for getting them moving was to use persecution. When God grows his church, he grows it when believers are persecuted. And that's a hard message. Doesn't mean that that's the only way he grows his church. Thank God for that. But God uses persecution at times not to end the church, not to kill the church, but to grow his church. Last month, I was in South Asia, in Calcutta, India. And the believers in Jesus, brothers and sisters there, were sharing with me some of the persecution that in the last year or two has become rampant throughout the land. Churches being burned. People being torn away from their homes. Pastors being arrested. Some beaten. And some killed. And I said, oh, that's awful. So I imagine the, uh, the church is becoming very much smaller these days. <laughs> they said, no, Brother Rich. Just the opposite. The church is growing stronger and stronger. During persecution? Yes. During persecution. We all hear about some of the persecution against believers that is occurring in, in many, many parts of the world. You are aware of that living here in Africa. I'm thinking of the words of that early church father known as Tertullian in the second century. He wrote during days of persecution against the early church. He wrote, the blood of the martyrs has become the seed of the church. That as Christians laid their lives down for Jesus, it wasn't the end. But when they laid down their lives, many others grew up and took their places as people who were living for Christ in the middle of a hostile world. God grows his church when believers are persecuted. So be encouraged as you hear stories of horror that take place around the world against believers. Be encouraged. Pray for them. And pray that God will bring strength and growth among our brothers and sisters. There is more in the book of Acts concerning growth. Look at Acts chapter 9. Remember that as Stephen was being stoned to death, there was a young man by the name of Saul, a well-educated Jew, highly intelligent, a leader among his people who was there encouraging the stoning of Stephen. 
Saul was on his way to Damascus in order to arrest followers of Jesus there, thinking that he was doing a good thing in doing that. There Jesus met him on the road to Damascus and changed his life forever, completely. Three years later, Saul, later known as Paul, came to Jerusalem. And when he came to Jerusalem, the apostles there were afraid to meet with him. They were afraid because they knew of Saul's reputation of being a persecutor of the church. There was a young man by the name of Barnabas, a brother in Jesus Christ, who had befriended Saul. And he took Saul and took him, put his arm around his shoulder and said, I want to introduce you to the apostles. And these fearful apostles met Saul. And Barnabas told them about how Jesus Christ had radically changed Saul's life. And he was now a strong teacher of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Barnabas put in a good word for Saul. And Saul was accepted by the early church. And we read in Acts chapter 9 of, of how that took place when they came to Jerusalem. Verse 26, he tried to join the disciples, Saul did, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the disciples and told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord, how the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. And now notice verse 31. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened living in the fear of the Lord, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Once again, God grew his church. In this case, God grows his church when believers trust and welcome God's servants. Saul was welcomed and trusted because of the words of Barnabas. And this new Christian leader, Saul, this powerful preacher of the gospel, was appreciated and welcomed. Believers trusted God's servant. Another condition for church growth today. It's not easy turning your pulpit over to a guest speaker. After pastoring for many, many years, I've I know what that is like. And sometimes, if you haven't per heard the person preach before, you know him as a good brother in Jesus, but you're kind of holding your breath a little bit, wondering, what's this guy going to say? Is he, is he going to say something that's going to cause confusion in the church? Is he going to say something that might be not exactly according to the scripture? And you, you're a little concerned. The people were concerned about Saul, but Barnabas said, you can trust him. He's a faithful servant of Jesus. And that was good enough for the apostles. So thank you, Brother Stephen, for allowing me to speak here this morning. I appreciate that. <laughs> Let's
Let's look at another condition for, for growth in the book of, of Acts. This is the sixth one. Six out of eight, so you'll know where we're going. The sixth one. It's not a very pretty picture. King Herod had just finished a major public speech uh, to the crowds. And the people thought he was wonderful. They bowed down before King Herod, and it says in Scripture that they, they almost worshipped him like a god. We read in Acts chapter 12, verses 23 and 24. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck Herod down. And he was eaten by worms and died. Not a very pretty picture. You'd think that that would be a very sad occasion. And I'm sure for those who were loyal to the king, it was. But notice in verse 24. Herod died, but the word of God continued and spread and flourished. God continued to bless even when his righteous judgment was exercised against the unbelieving Herod. And we like to think of God as, as filled with grace, filled with, with forgiveness, filled with, with, with love and peace. And of course that is true, he is. But also our God is a mighty God and he's a God of holiness and justice and righteousness. And he judges sin, as he did in the life of Herod. But thanks be to God, for those who are in Christ, there is no condemnation. Christ our Savior has taken our condemnation and given us the gift of forgiveness and righteousness and justification and sanctification. He has he has given us the gift of his Holy Spirit and the promise that there is nothing in all of creation that can ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. God brought righteous judgment, judgment against Herod. God grows his church when God brings righteous judgment. We can never be certain when any catastrophe may occur in this world, whether it is the judgment of God or not. We may think it may be, and it may well be, but we need to be careful pronouncing different events as God's judgment. But while we may not know ourselves for certain if one of those occasions was the judgment of God, we can be certain that God does bring righteous judgment. And he certainly will bring righteous judgment. That day is coming for all. And God grows his church even in the face of righteous judgment. Number seven. The setting of is found in Acts chapter 16. Just prior to that, in Acts 15, we see the meeting of a large number of Christian leaders in the early church meeting in Jerusalem. 
The reason for the meeting is that there was some confusion. You know, all of the earliest Christians were, came from among the Jews. But now Gentiles were starting to trust Jesus. And there was confusion. Should the Gentiles be welcomed into the church because they've trusted Jesus? Or should those believing Gentiles now submit to all of the rules and regulations and rituals of Judaism before they could be accepted into the church? At that Jerusalem council meeting in Acts chapter 15, the decision led by the Holy Spirit was reached by those Christian leaders that faith in Jesus Christ alone is sufficient. Being wise in some other matters, yes, but it's faith in Christ that saves. After that decision was made, word needed to be spread among all of the early churches. And we read in Acts chapter 16, verses 4 and 5, that messengers from that Jerusalem council were sent out among the churches. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and notice, and they grew daily in numbers. Once again, God was growing his church. What were the conditions here? God grows his church when, when believers communicate clearly. The decision was not made among the apostles and elders in Jerusalem and then said, well, if you, if you feel like telling some of the other churches, that would be, that'd be fine and use whatever language you want and tell them just in your own words what happened. No, the apostles and elders wrote out a letter to them and said, here is what you must communicate clearly to the churches. And as they did that, God grew his church. It's important for us as members of the body of Christ to speak clearly. So things will not be misunderstood as well as it lies within us to keep them from misunderstanding. We as followers of Jesus are to speak the truth in love. It is important for us to communicate clearly. And that is so important within a church family. Made up of so many different people from different walks of life, with different ideas, with different backgrounds. It's so important because misunderstandings can occur in a local church setting. It's so important to speak the truth to one another and speak it in love. So often, problems occur because we fall into one extreme or the other. We may say, I am a truth speaker. That's what God wants. And I will always speak the truth. But very often, a person like that finds love is absent in the communication. There are other people who say, well, I just want to get along with everyone. And I just love everybody. And I don't want to say anything that, is, that, that seems a little bit harsh, or uh, I don't want to speak about that truth because it might upset people, so, so therefore we'll, 
we'll just all try to get along together. And very little truth is being spoken. God says those two things must be brought together. Speak the truth, but speak it in love to those around us. God grows his church when believers communicate this way, speaking the truth in love. Finally, the last condition of growth found in the book of Acts for the early church. The setting is in Ephesus, Acts chapter 19. In Acts chapter 19, we read that there were those who were involved, unbelievers who were involved in sorcery, all kinds of witchcraft. And they had their, their sacred sorcery scrolls, very, very expensive scrolls. Many of them, as the Apostle Paul spoke, came to faith in Jesus Christ. They were born again, born from above, born by the Spirit of God. Their sins were forgiven by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They became new creatures in Christ, new creations. Then what did they do with all of their, their sorcery material? back home. We read in verse 19 of Acts 19, a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. And when they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total, total came to 50,000 drachmas, an early currency of the day. Scholars added up and they say that this was this was an amount of extraordinary value. In this way, verse 20, in this way the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Our final verse talking about how the word of God spread. God was growing his church in a remarkable way. How was he doing it here? God grows his church when he purifies his church. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are to be holy as he is holy. 1 John 3 verse 3 tells us that we are to purify ourselves. Purity comes as God purifies us. But as followers of Jesus, we are also to purify ourselves, laying aside those things that would hinder us as we walk with Jesus. God grows his church as he purifies his church. So what have we learned, my brothers and sisters, this morning? We learned that God grows his church in many different conditions, many different settings. God grows his church in all kinds of times, including times like these. But God especially wants us to know that he not only grows his church under these conditions, but he grows us. You and me, as individuals, individual believers, 
walking before God. He desires to grow you today. How does he do it? In one of these eight settings. Maybe you find yourself in one of these settings. God wants to be growing you as he gives you opportunity to boldly declare God's truth. God wants to grow you as you care for the needs of others. God wants to grow you when you come to the point of realizing that he desires you to change your approach to something in your life. God grows you even when those around you may revile you and persecute you because of Jesus. God wants to grow you as you trust other believers, God's servants. God grows you even in dark days when he brings righteous judgment against sin. God grows you as you speak the truth in love. And finally, God grows you when you purify yourself. I believe that this great work of God that is being carried on in the country of Kenya is just the beginning. And that God wants to grow his church far more than ever before. But it starts with you. Are you willing to grow right in the conditions where God has placed you today?